the greatest among you shall be a servant. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For whoever shall save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to Palm Sunday. Welcome to Holy Week here at Oakwood. Just a special, special time to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and to come and to worship Him with brothers and sisters. And we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, We've been in a series for several weeks now called Upside Down Kingdom, and we've been talking about how Jesus' teachings and some of the things that he said sometimes seem to be backwards and, and, and contradicted the world and what the world would say. The first week we talked about how the greatest among you will be your servant. Not the president, not the highest, not the, not the best, but your servant. In week two, we talked about how it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We talked about generosity and being a generous person. Last week, we talked about how we have true freedom when we are mastered, not by the world and not by ourselves, but we are mastered by Jesus Christ when He is our Savior and our Lord. And today, we're going to be talking about how weakness brings strength. How in the world does weakness bring strength? We're going to be talking about that this morning. Um, if you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to just grab that Bible that's provided for you, turn it to page 970. You'll be exactly where we need to be this morning. And as always, you can follow along in our, in our app, in the Oakwood app. And all the sermon notes and scriptures are there for you this morning. You know, today is Palm Sunday and it marks the beginnings of Holy Week. Uh, This is a great time to pause and to read the scriptures and to really talk and read and understand, really glean from God what happened to Jesus the last week of his life here on earth. I really think that it uh, is a special time of year because many uh, that get an invitation to be a part of church or to be a part of something holy on Holy Week, uh, most people will say yes. And so I invite you to invite friends and we'll be talking about that a little later in the service today as to what Easter weekend looks like for our church. Well, here is the main thought today for the upside down kingdom. Weakness is a prerequisite for the display of God's strength in your life. Weakness is a prerequisite for the display of God's strength in your life. Let's read our text this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let me give you just a little bit of background before we get into verses 9 and 10. Uh, Earlier in chapter 12, uh, Paul has been talking about boasting, but he's going to boast in his weaknesses. He's going to, you know, in the flesh he's nothing and he's drawing these contradictions. He's been building this throughout the book of 2 Corinthians. And he gets to this part right before verses 9 and 10 where he says that, that there's a thorn in my flesh. We don't know exactly what it is. Bible scholars have debated it for the ages. Was it a physical ailment? Was it some type of disability? If you remember when he was on on the road uh, to to Damascus and the Lord uh, appeared to him on the road in a vision and he was blinded for three days. Some people think the residual effect of his blindness, maybe that he couldn't see 20-20. But whatever it was, there was some thorn in his flesh and he says, I prayed to the Lord to have it removed. 
And then here's how Jesus answers him. And this is in our scriptures today, verses 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this. But he said to me, this is Jesus talking to Paul, and it's in the red letters if you have a red letter Bible. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How can you be weak and then be strong in Christ Jesus? It's because when you're at the end of your human strength, God's divine strength is right there for you. And Jesus was telling the Apostle Paul and even sending a message to us today that we need to be operating in the strength of God and not on our own. Has it ever occurred to you that perhaps the very thing that you want most removed from your life may be the very thing that God has there so his strength can be displayed in fullness? Have you ever thought about whatever you're going through right now? Maybe it's some financial pressures. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe there's a disengage that you have with, with a relationship. Maybe it's, it's something at work. But whatever it is in your life, have you ever paused and, and, and thought for a moment that this might be something that God is allowing so his strength could be made complete in me? You see, so many times our response is, we got to get rid of this as fast as we can. But is that the path to God's greatest glory and greatest growth? Because he is to be your rock. He is to be your fortress. He is to be your deliverer and your strength in your greatest time of need. You know, sometimes I think it's when believers like us are out of answers, when we've lost our confidence when we've lost our strategic edge and when we are completely out of strength, we have nowhere else to run to, nowhere else to turn. That's when we turn to God. That's when we run to God. And we are in a position finally to find out what God's strength can really provide in our greatest time of need. You see, no one in the kingdom of God is too weak to experience God's power. But many are too confident in their own strength. There are many people who think they can handle everything on their own. They don't need God. But when the brokenness comes, when the hardship comes, when the weakness comes, there's this break point. And maybe some of you can nod your head this morning and say, oh yes, I know the break point because I've lived it. You see, having a proper perspective on our weaknesses is the cornerstone of Christian living because we should all know things are going to happen that drag us down and that defeat us in this world. John 16.33, when Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples, He says this to them, I have said these things to you that in Me you may have peace. How are you going to have peace? Only in Me, Jesus says. In Me you will have peace. And then he goes on to say, in this world you will have tribulation. Some translations say, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Don't have a defeatist mindset because I have overcome the world. 
Jesus proclaims that to us. And I believe that most people, they're probably in the middle of that tribulation right now. They might be coming just out of that tribulation right now. Or you might be about to go in one that you don't even know about. But we can't get caught up in focusing our efforts on removing the difficulties only. We also have to look at this as an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to trust God even more, an opportunity for us to believe in Him and grow in our faith and become even more rooted and more grounded. You see, believers sometimes learn, bre- learn best when they embrace the hardships of life, knowing that these trials allow God to display His sufficient grace and mighty power in their weakness. You see, when God declared to Paul an answer to his prayer, He didn't really answer the prayer, did he? But he did when he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, he affirmed to Paul and even to us as believers today, the total sufficiency of his grace for everything you need in life, God's power will provide. And because of that, we can embrace our weaknesses. We can embrace our weaknesses Because the first thing is that divine power is best displayed against the backdrop of human weaknesses so that Christ alone is praised. It's the upside-down kingdom. I know it seems backward. It seems maybe counterintuitive, but it makes sense if you think about it. God has always interceded for His children. And when we are weak, And he is strong. He does some of his best work. And when we can't take any any credit for what's going on in our lives, everyone knows who's really making things happen. I've been here at Oakwood 15 years this Friday. I started March 30th of 2003. When I was hired to come here to Oakwood, I was actually hired as a children's minister. And I did some children, some youth, and uh, some family stuff uh, before I became the, the preaching minister here. It was about 10 years ago that I began preaching here. I remember what a humbling experience that was even into today. (laughs) It was a very very humbling experience because uh, I remember when my wife one time told me, I can't believe it, you've been preaching for like three weeks and people are still coming. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to tell you, the truth is I have felt that more often than not. Because I, I'm, smart, I'm a smart guy, and I'm smart enough to know there's no special speaking ability here. There's no supernatural special ability about me. But it is amazing what Christ can do, even in my weakness. With all of my shortfalls, with everything that's wrong with me, that Christ can still use me. And for some of you that are more talented than me and better than me, that should be encouragement to you that Christ can use you too because you may be in a slightly better place than me. But in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where do you get your strength? How do you do it? You get your strength from Christ. It's only in Christ. It's only Christ who strengthens you. And so it has to be all about Jesus. You see, if we accomplish something in the power of the flesh, we will be praised. But if we accomplish something in our weakness, and people see that, man, that's only through the power of God working in their life, that He gets praised. And that's exactly the way that it should be. We should be praising the Lord because of His divine power being fleshed out in our life. Another reason that we can embrace our weaknesses is because God uses the weak. If you feel weak this morning, if you feel unqualified to be used by God in any way this morning, 
then you are in good company. Welcome to the family. I mean, you can look at these characters all over the Bible this morning. Think about some of these characters. Abraham. Abraham was really, really old when he got called to do God's work. Well, he was doing his best stuff is when he was old. And so if you're old this morning and maybe your, your joints are aching, you're like, man, I think I'm going into the retirement from Christian service part of my life. It's like, no, no, no. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. If he can use Abraham, he can use you. Other characters from the Bible, if you remember, Jacob was insincere. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses had some type of a speech problem, an impediment. Maybe he stuttered. And he went before Pharaoh with a walking stick and said, oh, hey, let my people, the Israelites, go. You remember the story of Gideon. Gideon went against a thousand soldiers with 300 men with some horns and some torches. Samson was codependent. Rahab was a prostitute. David went against Goliath with a sling and some rocks. Elijah was borderline suicidal. Read his story. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was disobedient. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. (laughs) Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried about a lot of details. And the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a Roman defector, and was unpopular. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, was a doubter. Paul was a murderer. Timothy was timid. And the list can go on and on and on. All the characters from the Bible and all of their flaws and all of their weaknesses. And it goes right on into this room today. Because we can see so many amazing things that God has done through weak people in the Bible. It seems like sometimes God kind of picks the blemished. He, he picks the ones that are imperfect. The ones that are seen as small or weak. Because He knows... In that brokenness, in that weakness, I can show my strength supreme. And I can accomplish my purposes as God Almighty through the weakness and the imperfections of flawed people. So God uses the weak. Another reason we can embrace, uh, embrace our weaknesses is because God uses weaknesses to keep believers humble. We're called to reflect Christ Jesus and part of our character is that we would be a people of humility. Even in the little things, I had a moment a couple weeks ago, I was uh, coaching uh, volleyball, I coached volleyball on Tuesday and Thursday nights, and I was coaching volleyball over in the Oak, and I was walking down the court, it was game night, there's just a ton of parents sitting here, crowds all around, I'm walking to the middle of the court, and um, I trip on nothing. <laughs> no, it gets better. <laughs> then I went back and looked for it. <laughs> there was a line on the floor that... The blue lines, watch the blue lines. Anyway, um, but, you know, in that moment, I just remember I turned bright red and I thought, you know, and I looked back and I'm like, what am I looking at? I just, I, I stumbled, I tripped, you know. I, I feel like I'm a pretty strong guy, but I was humbled when I couldn't get a lid off a jar a couple weeks ago. Now, those are little things, right? Those are just small little things, but think of all the times that we are actually humbled in life. And I'm telling you what, if you feel weak, and you see God start working in your life, it will keep you in this place of humility. The very things that bring some of us in here to church on Sunday, we feel overwhelmed, we feel guilty about something, those very things that seem to haunt us, those thoughts that you have that, well, preacher, I hear what you're saying, but I really don't think God could use me. 
In fact, I don't think God would even want me in his church or as a part of his family. I don't think God could use me because I don't have it all together. I'm just too weak. I think sometimes those are the very thoughts that get his attention because it's in our weakness that he sees the opportunity to display his strength and to keep us in this place of humility so that we can acknowledge his greatness. We have no bragging rights. We receive no accolades because it's all about him and his strength and his might and his power and that keeps us humble, bowing low before an almighty God. God uses weaknesses to keep believers humble. The last reason that we can embrace our weaknesses is that God uses weaknesses to draw people to himself. I've seen this time and time again. The cross of Jesus beckons us to come to Jesus as broken, guilty, condemned, and weak people. And that's just the way that Jesus wants us. And it's so His strength and His power can be seen. So many think that they need to have it all together to come to Jesus. Oh, I'll come to Jesus when I stop doing this. I'll come to Jesus when I can quit this. You know, I'll come to Jesus after I clean up this mess. There's no way I can come to Jesus now because I've created this mess in my life. My sin is caught up with me. I have all of these problems, these issues coming up in my life. And when this happens, it's overwhelming. And it's in those times where it seems like so many people hit rock bottom. When they hit the very bottom, that seems to be the time when they look to Jesus. Sometimes he's not our first call. Sometimes it feels like he's our last. Sometimes Jesus is my co-pilot because I'm wanting to drive the direction of my life. But Jesus' greatest display of power is a transformed life. Think about this. It's about someone who is really, really, really lost, who gets really, really, really found. And God makes a tremendous difference in their life, and no one can argue with it. I have a friend that was an alcoholic for years. And he lived a a promiscuous lifestyle. He did all these horrible things. I mean, you you name the sin, he probably did it at some point. And when he came to Jesus Christ, there was such a stark difference. People thought he'd been brainwashed. I mean, he was such a stark difference in his life of, of how he used to live and how he used to talk and now how he lives and now how he speaks. It was night and day difference. It's an example of someone who's really, really lost, who got really, really found. And why? It's because Jesus draws us to himself. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. It's enough. His grace is sufficient for me. And he is sufficient in my weakness. What we forget sometimes is that the cross of Jesus was a sign of weakness in that day. It means something very different to us today, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 says this. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the very power of God. You see, the cross was a symbol of weakness. It was a symbol of weakness because for the Jews it represented their unwilling submissive their submission to the Roman government. They did not want to be under Roman rule. They didn't want to be under Roman authorities. They did not desire to live under those circumstances. But that cross, even to the Jews, just represented how unwilling submission 
that they had to the Romans. They did not want to be living in their land. Their submissiveness was forced upon them. The cross was a symbol of weakness because its purpose was to humiliate the person being crucified. There's a lot better ways you could have killed a person. You could have just, you know, cut off their head. You could have, you, there, there's other ways they could have done it. But no, they said, no, we're going to oftentimes flog them. We're going we're we're to beat them. We're going to give them a scourging, this whipping. Some people didn't survive that. But then we're going to strip them naked. And then we're going to hang them on the cross. because It, it was humiliating. And it was, it was a sign of strength from the Romans because everybody in Rome knew, or, I mean, everybody in, in, in Palestine knew that, hey, look at these people on the crosses. This is the Romans. This is how strong they are. This is how you know, bad to the bone the Romans are. Look, look, at, look at what they're doing. And they're flexing their muscles and they're showing their strength. That they were large and in charge. That they were in control. And they did that through making the cross being a place of humility. To really shame a person for being on a cross. The cross was a symbol of weakness also because it represented great suffering. After you were scourged and you had all these open wounds all over your body from the whipping, then the Romans liked to take the cross beam and tie it on to their back. So you have this open flesh back there and this sharp, rugged piece of wood. And in your weakness and in your frailty with the loss of blood and everything going on, hey, take that cross beam up the hill so that we can hang you on it. Many people didn't survive the the scourging itself, it was horrific and it was gruesome, and yet they put that crossbeam on it and send people on their way to the crucifixion. Another reason that the cross was a symbol of weakness is that it represented defeat. If you were hanging on a cross, you're going to die. If you were hanging on that cross, it was the end. And the people coming by, watching you on the cross saw you as a person that was defeated. There was no way you were getting out of it. It represented ultimate defeat. Another reason the cross was a symbol of weakness is because it represented death. It was the Roman symbol of power over anyone who would stand against them. Whoever tried to impede their progress, whoever came against them or any of their rules, we will humiliate you, we will beat you within an inch of your life, and we will finally kill you in a gruesome, painful Humiliating way on a cross. And the irony of it all with Jesus dying on the cross was the fact that the Creator was killed by His creation. The Creator is killed by His creation. Now, I don't know about you, but if I weren't a Christian and didn't know, you know the rest of the story, that sounds pretty weak to me. That the one who would give us life is the one that we will take His life from Him. So you get to this point, you say, so why the cross? It is the ultimate symbol of weakness. Why would God choose the cross for his one and only son to die? And that's just the point. He chose. God chose what the world renders as weak. What the world renders as despised. And he takes that humiliation and he takes that symbol of defeat and torture, and pain, and death. The one symbol that represents weakness the most to the world in that time, and he completely turns it upside down for his kingdom's divine purpose. The cross is the perfect symbol for God because he takes what the world sees in the cross as weakness, and he makes it seem as strength because of God. 
the cross. Have you ever thought it was a little weird what we do with crosses? Does anybody still have the cross wall in your house? A few cross wall people. I think in some of our Sunday school classes upstairs, we've got some cross walls. My wife's got a collection of crosses for, man, many, many years. It's one of those things, those, those crosses, they're special to us. They represent not defeat and not torture and pain to us today. There's something that we kind of collect. There's something that we wear. And sometimes people who are non-Christians wear it as just a symbol of fashion or something. But we wear crosses and we decorate our house with crosses. And if you really thought about what the cross represented, then it's absurd that we would do that. It would be the same as you like having electric chairs. You know, I'm going to wear an electric chair and have one on the wall of my house. You know, it's, it's the same. It would be the same thing like a, a lethal in, injection needle. You know, that you would wear a little syringe around your neck and have a little syringe hanging on. I mean, you, know, you think about that, it's like, huh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. But you see how absurd that is. But that's not what the cross means to us today, right? It's not a symbol of weakness. It's a symbol of strength. It's a symbol of power. What God took, took as the ultimate sign of weakness in that time period, he completely turns it around. And it becomes the ultimate sign of strength. because it now represents something completely different to us because we know Easter we know that even though Jesus died is that there's the rest of the story you see God takes the world's ultimate symbol of weakness and turns it into his ultimate symbol of power and strength and he does so in Jesus through the resurrection and he does so in our lives today you know, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day that we talk about when Jesus and the disciples were coming into Jerusalem for Holy Week. And now there were all these people in the crowds that were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! They're waving the palm branches and they're hailing, they're, they're hailing Jesus as the King. Hosanna means Lord save us. They're calling out to him. Now, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, if you know the story, Jesus came in riding on a colt, riding on the, on the foal like a donkey. And what that meant was that this was a king who was coming in a time of peace. Because if you came in on a colt, that was a sign of peace. If you were going to be coming as a warrior, you come in on a big, magnificent stallion with all your body armor on. But Jesus, no, he's just riding on a colt as he comes into Jerusalem. On Palm Sunday. You see, the Pharisees and most of the Jews, they wanted a different Savior for Israel. They wanted someone who would overthrow the Roman occupation and defeat them. Someone who would start a war and a movement. Someone who would be characterized by battles and winning and defeating the enemy. Not someone who would say, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. They wanted someone to rise into power and to say, that's right, we have the power now. We're God's people. We are strong. And we rule here. This is our land and the Romans are getting out. They just didn't get it. God sends them Jesus. Who entered the world in humble circumstances. He was laid in a feeding trough of animals as a child. All the, all the, I picture with all the animal saliva mixed in with the hay. He's laid in a feeding trough came as a weak little baby, couldn't defend himself. He was born to a couple of peasant kids from a 
dusty little town called Nazareth. And then later, he goes up this path in Jerusalem called the Via Della Rosa. As a man who's been whipped and beaten, he's bleeding, he's unrecognizable, some of the prophecies said. He's got a cross beam on his back and he falls because of the weight of that beam and he's going all the way up the hill to Golgotha, the place of the skull to be crucified. And he's going up the hill to be crucified to die. Jesus is going to die on that cross. And everybody walking by that day, and you remember the Roman soldiers about, oh, you know, he could save other people, then save yourself. Get down off of that cross. Use your power right now, Jesus. But it's in his perceived weakness that God's power comes. It's in that display of a thing that represents a weakness that we today come to the cross of Calvary because it is our strength. And this morning, if you came in, I want to encourage you that you may be feeling weak and you may be feeling beaten down and you may be feeling ashamed and you may be feeling the guilt of the world on your shoulders. But I want to encourage you this morning that you are no different. If you come in here this morning and you're saying, man, I feel like there's this load and I can't carry it anymore, then this is actually a great day for you. It's a good day for you because of what we read in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because if you came to Jesus and said, Jesus, this thorn in my flesh, I want it to be removed, this situation that I'm in, this, this circumstance of suffering, this, this place of pain, anxiety, fear, this place of guilt, this place of trauma. Lord, help me. And Jesus looks to you and says, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. So when you, my child, are feeling weak, turn to me. Because then you'll find that I am strong. Let's pray.